It is Monday, December 26th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. The Packers keep their playoff hopes alive. Tom Brady finishes off another comeback. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Tom Brady erases a 10-point lead. The Bucks win it in overtime, 1916. The Green Bay Packers beat the Dolphins, 26-20. Keep their playoff hopes alive. And the Rams-Broncos goes slightly over in a Christmas miracle. What is the Vegas lead? Well, Merry Christmas to you, AJ. Merry Christmas to everyone listening to Straight Out of Vegas AM. Uh, it's the Monday after Christmas, which uh, I guess is, is this Boxing Day? It is Boxing Day. It is. And bo- it's Christmas Day observed. What are we yes. doing working, Scott? <laughs> I don't know. but it's, This is uh... <laughs> how you know we're not famous. If we were famous, we would not be working. Well, the, the thing is, if there wasn't a full like weekend of NFL, we wouldn't be working. If Christmas, if Christmas was on a Wednesday, you and I are not doing this show. You know, <laughs> it's just it's just not, that's the truth. I'm being honest. I'm letting everybody know, like, what the deal is here. The only reason why we're doing this podcast is because we just had a full weekend of NFL football and we got to react to it. Uh, otherwise, like I said, if this was Christmas Wednesday, we're not doing this this show. No, and I, I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be getting up out of bed the day after Christmas where I may have had a, a little. Uh, Maybe a couple more old fashions than I should have last night. That's okay. You deserved it. You were good this year. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the the games that happened yesterday on Christmas Day. Three games on the schedule. It started with the Packers and the Dolphins in a game that was pretty entertaining early on. You thought this was going to be a, a really high scoring shootout, and the Packers, you know, down a touchdown at the half, just flipped the script in the second half. And Tua was, uh, let's just. Let's call for what it is, AJ. He was awful in that second half. Yeah, I, I, I'm telling you, I think that there has been some sort of a, uh, I don't know that he's been solved or the offense has been solved, but the teams have started to make things a lot harder on Tua than they were. And obviously Waddle and Hill are still explosive after after the catch guys, and they're going to make big plays. And that first touchdown to, uh, to Jalen Waddle was a great example of a, really a receiver turning nothing into something. But Tua is—he's lost out there right now. He's—he's there. He's easily confused. Uh, he's not getting the same looks that he got early in the season, and it's been now a, a month that this is happening. And it's—it's it's wild to think this Dolphins team was eight and three, and people were talking about them as like a dark horse Super Bowl team. And now, you know, are, are they? Are we sure they're going to make the playoffs? Like it, that's how far the Dolphins have fallen. No, right now, if you look at the standings in the AFC playoff picture, uh, well, this was a good outcome for the Jets, who keep their slim playoff hopes alive now. Good outcome from the Patriots as well. The Dolphins are the seventh seed right now. They're hanging on at eight and seven. Then you have the Patriots at seven and eight, the Jets at seven and eight, the Titans at seven and eight, and even the Pittsburgh Steelers at seven and eight. So, it's uh, it's wild how the playoff predictions change after every single 
game that's played. But looking at it right now, let's see. Dolphins are at the Patriots and then home to the Jets to close out the season. So those AFC East matches. So they're going to have, of- yeah. And so obviously if they beat the Jets, then that'll knock the Jets out of it. And the Dolphins will be in a much better situation. Yeah. So, I mean, it's all, it's all going to play itself out. Uh, so 538 right now has the Dolphins at 67% to make the playoffs. Yeah. And, and, you know, lucky for them, the Jets and the Patriots both lost. So it 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 opened up their path a little bit, but it's certainly this is a team that we thought was going to like maybe be the the five seed. You know, this was going to be a oh, it's going to be a tough matchup for uh, for the AFC South winner. Now it's like, is this team even going to make the playoffs? That's what the Dolphins have just fallen tremendously in the last month. Yeah, three straight losses now, or four straight no, losses. No, four straight losses. Yeah, yeah. Four, four straight losses now, and this one, to me, has to be the worst of the bunch because, it, like I said, it was a tale of two halves. Like, in the first half, this looked like um, Miami was going to do some damage, especially, you know, the long Jalen Waddle pass, and then they get the, the, they're up 17 to 10 and 20 to 10, and you think that everything is going to be, uh, it's going to be a Miami coronation, and they're going to erase all the sour tastes of losing those games, you know, on the road, because this is a much different team at home, but that wasn't the case in the second half. It was uh, three fourth quarter interceptions thrown by Tua Tunga Vailoa. And this was, you know, my handicap going into this game was it feels like two teams going in different directions, and the Green Bay Packers, you know, that's three straight wins for them they are suddenly it feels like there's a lot of momentum with this team so and obviously we, we talk about the, yeah we talk uh, about the 538 projections aj and i mentioned that the dolphins were 67 percent with one win over either the jets or the patriots they jump up to over 80 percent but the packers right now are sitting at 27 percent if the packers uh win both of their next games they go to 90 percent if they lose to Minnesota, but then beat Detroit, it then it, well, it matters on what Detroit does in their next game. But uh, if just a win over Minnesota jumps them up to 58, 57%. So yeah, that's pretty every, wild. Everything that could have gone right for Green Bay this weekend went right for Green Bay. You know, the Lions lose, the Commanders lose, the Giants lose, the Seahawks lose. Everybody that they're they're fighting with for a playoff spot, they all lost. And then the Packers standalone game. All they had to do was go out and win, and and they got the job done. Just a uh, really gutsy performance by by the Packers, and really the Packers defense would just you, would you shut make it down in the second this half. Bet right now, Packers yes to make the playoffs plus one seventy five. No, I, th- I think we looked at it last week, and it's it still I think makes more sense to do a money line rollover because, like you said, even if they go two and zero, they're not they're not guaranteed to make yeah. the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Packers again opened up as four point favorites, uh, hosting Minnesota next week. So I, I, I kind of thought that was going to be the case. I thought that they'd be favorite. I didn't think it'd be a full four. That's a big number to put. Uh, but obviously, a lot of people starting to believe in this Green Bay Packers team. And when every game is like a playoff game, like it is right now for the Packers, it kind of makes sense. You want to back the guy who you've seen win big games before. Aaron Rodgers has won a lot more meaningful games in his career than has Kirk Cousins. Let's move on to the second game of the day, uh, the Rams and Broncos. I, I laugh oh my God. because this is, has there ever been a worse off-season quarterback acquisition than the Broncos and Russell Wilson? 
when you factor in the money, when you factor in the results, when you factor in the, the fact that really the, the big part of the contract hasn't even kicked in yet, when you add in what they gave up, this is pretty bad. And really consider what this, like what this co- is costing them because that pick that they gave to Seattle for, for this upcoming draft, I mean, this, this, it could be the second pick in the draft. Like that's how that's how much of a disaster this season has been for the Broncos. And it's wild because this was a team that we thought was like, you know, this this was a team that we thought was Super Bowl ready roster. Yeah. Like all you had to do was just add a real quarterback and boom, there it is. Uh, But there now the the Broncos are in a a fight with the Bears uh, to, to finish, you know, second worst record in the league. And that's that Seahawks team that, you know, Seahawks put up some good fight this year. I don't know if the Seahawks make the playoffs, but the idea that the Seahawks are, had a season as good as they did and still have the third pick in the draft, that's unbelievable. Yeah, and and for the Rams, you know, Baker Mayfield, is he going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL next year? I don't know. I, I mean, he certainly established himself as a guy who I, I think is going to – He'll be in a battle in camp. It'll be Baker Mayfield will come in with somebody that, that a team's not fully sold on and they're going to fight. And, you know, Baker might win. He might lose. I, I could see. So if like Seattle is in an interesting situation, if Seattle, uh, if Geno Smith leaves via free agency or Geno Smith wants more money than the, the Seahawks want to give him and the Seahawks draft a quarterback number three, it would make a lot of sense to bring in a guy like Baker Mayfield and say, OK, you two guys figured out whoever's better is going to start this year. And, and obviously, like, I don't think anybody's going to look at Baker again as a franchise quarterback, but I do think Baker's going to be a really nice bridge quarterback for some teams. The Giants are another good example. The Giants don't decide to sign Daniel Jones long term. They draft a quarterback. He's probably not ready year one. Baker Mayfield for a Giants roster that's pretty solid, uh, well coached. It'd be a great bridge quarterback for a year or two to figure out, you know, if the, if the rookie that they draft can play. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. Um, this is just, man, you saw Brett Rippon get into a fight with his offensive lineman at the, in the fourth quarter because I guess he was defending Russell Wilson for getting sacked. There's just oh, it's a meltdown. So much dysfunction going on with this Broncos team uh, coming up next week. The Broncos will be at the Chiefs. Just wave the white flag. And uh, for the Rams, well, they're going to be at the Chargers. So it's a home game for both teams. So battle of L.A. And this is, you know, there were it was like several weeks ago. Somebody was was saying on on the dream preview. I think it was RJ was saying at what point do the like because I was I picked the Broncos. I was saying, man, the Broncos are one of the best defenses in the league. And he was like, at what point do the Broncos defense just say enough? We're not going to give our max effort anymore. And I feel like this was the week. Uh, it, letting Baker Mayfield and those Rams put up 51 points. I mean, it, it's obvious this, this Broncos defense is disinterested now. They put yep. up a fight for as long as they could. It, enough is enough. I'm surprised that it happened like this coming off a win. You know, the win against the Cardinals. They, I figured, well, maybe they're feeling pretty good. But it's it's also damning to look or it's daunting to look ahead and see, oh, at Kansas City, home chargers for our last two games. Two of the best offenses, two of the best quarterbacks in the league. This defense is tired. They've carried this team as much as they could, and they look up at the standings, and it says four and eleven. And it feels like this was just the moment of we're done. We we don't have this anymore. 
Uh, so kudos to the Rams for going out and getting the job done. You knew Baker Mayfield would be motivated. You knew he was, you know, he's obviously trying to showcase things. I think a lot of these Rams players are trying to make a showcase of things uh, because the Rams are a team that you could easily see saying, hey, let's let's rebuild this thing. Uh, and there's a lot of Rams players who are saying, OK, we want to be a part of this. So I, I think you you should you should expect to see uh, motivated efforts from the Rams for the rest of the year. I don't expect to see motivated efforts from the Broncos anymore. Tom Brady gets a come from behind a victory in overtime against the Cardinals. 1916, the Bucks keep their division title hopes alive. This was as ugly of a game as you could watch. Uh, didn't pick. I don't up know who's and, the worst coach. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Like Todd Bowles or Cliff Kingsbury. I, these are this was the bad coach bowl, or at least it was a bad coach bowl. Uh, this is the football is just hard to watch. Like mm-hmm. this was. I didn't want overtime. Normally it's like oh great game overtime. This was a bad game that it just took them a little bit longer to figure out who was going to win. I, I mean I guess it, you have to give some credit to to the Cardinals who were playing with Trace McSorley, but. I, you can't make an excuse for Todd Bowles. He's got the greatest quarterback of all time out there, and he, he's a, he doesn't look good. Uh, this this is a, I mean, it's it's a, a very important win for the Bucks, but this 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 win doesn't make me feel any better about what Tampa is or what they're becoming. Uh, you know, they they're still going to be in a fight to win this division. They are next week against the Panthers is a a massive game for them. Uh, is Carolina and New Orleans both a game behind the Bucks right now? The Bucks sitting at seven and eight, Carolina and New Orleans at six and nine. So this is a, a a huge game coming up with the Panthers, especially because the Panthers have already beat the Bucks once. Yeah. So uh, the most important game of the season coming up next week for Tom Brady. They win that, they're feeling safe. But otherwise, well, they clinch. They, been, they, they clinch. With the they win. would clinch. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they swept the Saints. So yeah, this is a a, a really uh, this has been a, a trying season for the Bucks and for Tom Brady. I, I've often wondered this year if Tom Brady regrets coming back because this. I'm sure when he was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, you know, my, my wife's pissed off about this. She doesn't want me to do it, but I, I've got a real good feeling about this team. This couldn't be what he foresaw happening when he made that decision. No, not at all. But the thing is, it is doesn't matter if he's back in the playoffs. And and he's got a home game in the playoffs. I mean, really, it's almost as if Tom Brady. The, you can look at the regular season, assuming they you know they get a win against Carolina and they win the division or however it works out. It's almost like Tom Brady and and the Bucks have treated this regular season like like the NBA regular season, where it doesn't matter. They, they just just they know they're going to be good enough to get into the playoffs, and then once they're in the playoffs, anything can happen. And they're going to have a home game in the playoffs, which is yeah. Wild. But I don't, I don't know that the Bucks were thinking all we've got to do is be seven and eight. No, going no, this is not a good team. This is not a good yeah. team. They're not coached well. This is just not a good team. I don't think. I think even if they thought we were going to kind of go easy in the regular season, they didn't want to go this easy. You don't, you don't want to feel like your offense is broken. You, like you don't want to feel like you've got no chance going into the playoffs. And this Bucks team right now, if they made the playoffs, they should feel like they have no chance because they, they look like. They look dreadful, and the fact that they could, they, they couldn't really put up points. They put up 16 points in regulation against the Cardinals' defense, which is dreadful. Uh, that secondary so bad. Yeah. That, like, what are, what are you doing? I mean, a couple of weeks ago, you got blown out by by Brock Purdy. Um, it, it, there's just there's not a lot of good stuff to say about this Bucks team right now. Um, 
you know, it, uh, I guess the only hope is they make the playoffs. And I, but even if they do, I'm not saying anything good about them making the playoffs in that garbage division. It's just a it's a bad team. And and Tom Brady has not played well. It's just as simple as that. I, the history makes you want to think otherwise. But the reality is this has just been a bad season for everybody involved there. So let's go to uh, Saturday, Christmas Eve day games, and uh, we'll start with the Bills blowing out the Bears. It wasn't really a blowout, AJ. They scored late uh, to really make the the game look a little, you know, unlike what it was. I mean, this was a this was a twenty one thirteen game with four minutes left in the game, and it could have yeah, easily and, and it could have easily ended that way. Yeah, two two touchdowns in the last four minutes for the Bills. Um, it was it never felt like the bills were in danger of losing the game but obviously people who were were backing them with a number are happy that things went the way they did and obviously people like myself who were backing the bears with a plus by their name uh not exactly thrilled about it but you've got to look at the bills and say man the bills have to feel good because the bills haven't blown anybody out in a while the bills have been you know it's it's a nice little run they're on and it's it's funny when teams when a team's won six games in a row and people are like, oh, they just haven't looked real good. They haven't looked like themselves. This was one of those games when you look up at the end of the at the end of the game and you just won a road game by 22 points. You can't say that much negative about it. Like there's going to be people who try to pick it apart, but the Bills know, hey, we just beat a, a team on the road, a team with a quarterback that people are starting to uh, to give some accolades to. We just blew them out in their building in really bad weather conditions and they they're taking that motivation in against you know maybe the the other team that's the hottest team in the league right now the Cincinnati Bengals which is clearly the game of the week next weekend Buffalo at Cincinnati let's talk about that Bengals team because uh they got some bad news as Lyle Collins is out for the rest of the season with a knee injury, uh, torn ACL and MCL in his left mm. knee. He suffered it against the Patriots, and he was part of this revamped offensive line. He was, you know, arguably one of their uh, one of their best linemen. And you know, hey, fifteen games at right tackle started, and it was uh, a really good signing for them in the offseason. But regardless of the injury, this Bengals team is on fire. Yeah, although, I mean, I think you can look at them the same way you look at the Dolphins in the second half of their game against, uh, you know, against Green Bay and say, where'd that offense go? Because that's exactly like the Bengals did whatever they wanted in the first half. They dominated that game, leading 22 to nothing at halftime. Uh, Joe Burrow looks like he was going to set a record for completions. And then their offense just disappeared in the second half. And granted, Belichick will will scheme things. He's a smart guy, make great adjustments, obviously. But I don't think the Bengals getting shut out like that you know, I, we just talked about the Bills feeling good, feeling like they've got some momentum going in with that with those late couple scores against the Bears. You know, the Bengals survived. It didn't feel like they, that they were rolling necessarily when they left this game because New England, you know, fought back, made it a and really had they had some more success with their two point conversions. This is a, a different conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they missed the first. PAT and then they're forced to kind of do two point conversions, but who knows what happens if they make those and then they've got a chance to to tie it up late. Uh, but either way, the Bengals the Bengals defense again perfect in the first half. Some struggles in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, obviously the 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 one touchdown wasn't on the defense. That was a, a, a pick six, but 
uh, the Bengals did not come out of this thing as, as fierce as they went into it. So, uh, but I do think this is, this is still a team that's kind of under the radar, you know, that not, not enough people are talking about when we talk about the best teams in the league, you hear a lot of Philadelphia, you hear a lot of Kansas city, you hear a lot of Buffalo still, you, you never hear the Bengals. And I'm, I'm not sure why. So if Buffalo wins, do they clinch the one seed or do they still have to win the final game against the Patriots because they well, still have, they still have to win because they're they're tied right now. So is is but they have the tie. Out, oh oh, because so if they finish Kansas thirteen City and four wins next gotcha, week. Gotcha, yeah, if gotcha. Kansas City wins next week and Buffalo loses, then it it opens things up. But okay, so the Bengals, if the Bengals win and then the Chiefs lose one of their remaining two games, would it be the Chiefs at twelve at like you know thirteen and four, or would it be the Bengals at thirteen and four? It, it would be the Bengals because the Bengals beat the Chiefs. Okay, so the Bengals still alive for the one seed. If they they need well, I don't think the Chiefs are going to lose to either the Broncos or the Raiders, but you never know. Um, yeah, the 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 Bengals have the toughest remaining schedule with Bills and Ravens. Yeah, and it's that's a couple of tough games. Although they're both at home, which is which is a nice advantage to have. Well, that Ravens uh, game, the, that Ravens game is going to be for the division. Yeah, because if Baltimore wins and they're eleven and five, even if the Bengals are twelve and four, a Baltimore win, they'd win the division. Well, let's talk about those Baltimore Ravens who, listen, a lot of people were counting them out this last week. Uh, good win for them. Tyler Huntley did what he had to do. It wasn't pretty by any stretch, but this running game continues to impress. It was it was not a fun game to watch. I'm sure it wasn't a fun game to play, but the Ravens did just enough. Desmond Ritter struggled a bit, uh, and the, the Falcons, who it's funny, the Falcons ran the ball so well early in the season – struggled to run the ball a little bit in this game against Baltimore. So Baltimore, there's still a lot of injury concerns, particularly, you know, with their, with their wide receivers. Uh, it's kind of Mark Andrews and then a bunch of just random pieces thrown out there, like Sammy Watkins, who they picked up off waivers, Deshaun mm-hmm. Jackson, who they picked up off waivers, just a bunch of just guys. Uh, but they're fighting through it. And obviously when they do get Lamar Jackson back, the idea that they're 10 and five with all the injuries that they've had is, is pretty incredible. So the Ravens are still a team come playoff time. I don't think anybody's saying, you know what? Give us those Ravens. That's who we want to play. We want the, I don't think anybody's thinking that because they're well coached and they have, you know, a former MVP playing quarterback when he's healthy, who even with, you know, beat up wide receivers is the kind of player who can take over a game by himself. I think that they will not have Lamar next week against the Steelers. And then if they win that game, Lamar plays against the Bengals. If they lose against the Steelers, Lamar doesn't play until the wild card playoffs. I I think that's probably a good way to look at it. That'd be my guess as well. Yeah. All right, let's move on. The Saints beat the Browns in what can only be called an embarrassment for the Cleveland Browns. This is a game that played right into their hands. Frigid temperatures. You had a, a running game with Nick Chubb, and you should have had Kareem Hunt, who barely touched the ball. Um, and and you should have been able to run all over the Saints. The fact that you blew a 10-0 lead to the Saints, who did nothing on offense except, you know, maybe a couple of Taysom Hill runs. 92 I, yards passing for that team. I, I just don't understand how they lose that game. And, you know, I tweeted it out. Jacoby Brissett was so much better for this team than Deshaun Watson. This was a huge mistake by the Browns. It was a huge mistake by Kevin Stefanski. 
I, I think that once Deshaun Watson got reinstated, you should have benched him. You should have said, yeah. we're sticking with Brissett for now. I think that it, it had, the, had the Browns been more competitive, like had you, if the Browns were like a playoff team when Watson got, you know, when he became available, I, I could have made more of an argument for it. But w- whether it's for better or worse, the Browns' future is Deshaun Watson, so they want to see what they've got with him. But it's not it's it's not been good so far, and I, I don't expect it to be better this season. Now, maybe a full off season with him, maybe you know him getting mm-hmm. uh, practice reps all season long will make a difference. But yeah, it, it really did just throw a wrench into. But for a Browns team whose defense really failed them this year, like this was a, what everybody thought was a great defense and they were going to add in this Deshaun Watson at quarterback and it was just going to blow up. kind of like the Broncos, like the recipe the Broncos had another example of where the defense just has not been near, nearly good enough. The Broncos were good enough. The Browns have been one of the worst defenses in the league, but even this game where the Browns defense kind of gave them something, it, it, the offense still found a way to, uh, to piss it away. The Browns, and the and the uh, Broncos, two teams that everyone felt were just a quarterback away from being Super Bowl contenders. Both of them got their quarterbacks, and they're terrible. Yeah, and in both cases, you can argue the quarterback is making things worse <laughs> than yeah. they would have been. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the Chiefs beating the Seahawks 24-10. Uh, the Seahawks... Um, what do you, whatever you want to say, they turned back into a pumpkin. The glass slipper fell off. Any type of uh, Cinderella reference you want to give, uh, the dream that was the beginning slash middle of the season is gone for the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, they've lost five of six now. Um, it's it's tough. I mean, this is a team that they they don't have the talent to be as good as they were. So the fact that they were sitting at, at six and three or whatever they were at, uh, that's let that be the story. That was amazing. It was a great start. This team is not good enough to be what they what it looked like they were trending to be. Although I say that, and the next two quarterbacks they face might be Zach Wilson and Baker Mayfield, and they they could still make the playoffs. Like like crazy, and they're both at home. So crazier things have happened. But boy, the the last couple last couple of games, and we didn't really expect them to be competitive against the the Niners or the Chiefs. But they're going to look back and they're going to say, man. How did we lose to the Panthers? Yeah. How did we lose? How did we lose to the Raiders? How did we lose to the Bucks when the I mean the Bucks were playing so terribly? Mm-hmm. And those are the kind of games. How do we go? How do we lose to the Falcons early in the season? Those are the types of games are going to look back when it's all said and done and go, man, this really kind of wasted uh, what could have been sort of a, a miraculous season. Although. Again, this this is the kind of team who, if they make the playoffs, they they're lamb to slaughter. I, I would agree. And for Kansas City, there's not uh, not much you could take away. I mean, you know, Patrick Mahomes. I think the MVP is his, uh, unless Jalen Hurts comes back and plays. But if Jalen Hurts doesn't play the final two games of the season, I think the MVP is Patrick Mahomes to lose. Uh, you look at his passing numbers. You know, 224 yards, two more touchdowns. He also rushed for a touchdown in that game. Yeah, that was like the Heisman, his Heisman moment in that game with the uh, the plant the hand in the ground and Mm -hmm. touch the outside of the pylon. One of the more incredible plays you'll see this season. Uh, I I tend to agree. Right now, feels like like Patrick Mahomes is the MVP of the league. The Vikings beat the Giants on a last second. Greg Joseph, 61 yard field goal, 27 24. As the Giants have, you know, they've suffered their hiccups they had to win against the commanders but that's only one win in their last six games but still the giants right now are are 89 percent to make the postseason 
Yeah, and it, again, kind of, I mean, besides losing, everything went the Giants' way this weekend, too. All the teams in that same conversation with them lost, except for Green Bay. Had the Giants won, they, we'd be talking about them making their playoff plans. So, uh, But the, the this is the, the MO of these two teams. It feels like the Giants lose in last-second games and the Vikings win in last-second games. So uh, this is one of the least surprising results of the entire weekend was the Vikings kicking a game-winning field goal yeah. to beat the Giants because that's what both these teams do. The Vikings win games that, you know, they find a, they find a way to win games. The Giants find a way to lose games, particularly in the second half of the season. The whatever rabbit they were rabbit's foot they were carrying around early in the season where they won some of those close games kind of falling off and they've had some bad luck down the stretch. But am I crazy to say that in the playoffs, I'd rather face the Minnesota Vikings than the New York Giants? You are crazy to say that. Because yeah. I, I I think I think the Giants are are scrappy. I don't want to play against that defense. And I think that if you're a team that can score, you're happy to go against this Vikings defense. Yeah, if you've got an elite defense yourself, because the, the offense is phenomenal. Uh, Justin Jefferson is a problem for everybody. You so say he was a problem once again for the Giants. Um, I I think that I, I would rather take my chances against the Giants than I with Daniel Jones than I would against Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson just because the playmakers for the Vikings are just better um but I, I do think the Giants are well coached which is that makes them instantly in my mind a team that I'd rather not see like I'd much rather see the Giants than the Bucks you know with the way the Bucks have been coached lately um I, I'd, I'd much rather play the Bucks than the Giants so but I, I think Minnesota it, it feels like you don't go 12 and three and then have people just say, oh, this isn't a good team. I, At some point, we have to admit this Vikings team is better than people want to say yeah. they are. The the underlying stats may not say that they're great. You don't go 12 and three if you're a bad team. You just don't. It's impossible. Like you, you can go. You, there's bad teams who can go, you know, the 10 and seven mm -hmm. when the season's said, said and done. I can picture that. But a, a bad team is not going to go team and four or 14 and three. Bad teams don't do that. You have to be a good team. Now, have they caught some breaks? Sure. Does that mean they won't catch any in the playoffs? I mean, I don't. I think it's foolish to think. The Lions, they fall to the Panthers. Carolina has just been doing it all on the ground. The run game has been incredible. Without Christian McCaffrey, it doesn't even matter. They're just running all over teams. Carolina in control of their own path to the playoffs. All they have to do is just win out. If they beat Tampa Bay and New Orleans, they are the division champions and they are in the playoffs. For the Lions, even with the loss, according to 538, they're at 24% to make the postseason. If they beat Chicago and Green Bay, it jumps up to 70%. So still not a guarantee. They are going to need help, but their playoff hopes took a major hit with this loss. Yeah, the Lions, with what they've done, and it's been, you got to go back like, you know, 10, 11 games ago before the Lions got their asses kicked like this. They fight, they're clawing, and they're in every game, even the games they don't win. Remember, they almost beat Buffalo, almost beat Miami. You have to go back to like week five or six when it was the, the Patriots or the Cowboys to see the Lions get spanked. They, they got dominated in this game. I think the final score, 37-23, doesn't quite tell the story of, of how dominant it was. The, the they gave they gave the Lions the business in this game. Yeah, yeah, the running game. Just 
I can't say enough about it. And, and we had talked about the Lions and how their defense had improved over the past couple of weeks. But overall, they still had terrible numbers against the run, but they did such a good job of masking it over, you know, the, the five, six game stretch. And then in this game, they really, really looked like the team that, you know, does not have uh, a good run defense. Jared Goff, though, 355 yards and three touchdowns, you yeah. know, Jared Goff, I, I know everyone wants to talk about the Lions drafting a quarterback, but. Jared Goff is a serviceable NFL starting quarterback. Jared Goff has 26 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He is sixth in the league in QBR at 62.1. He's almost at 4,000 yards already. I think this has been one of the best seasons Jared Goff could have imagined. Like, I don't think if you said, hey, write down your goals for this season. Uh-huh. I think his like just your personal statistical goals. I don't think he would have been this ballsy. So it was it. The, it wasn't the greatest game for him. He was not totally sharp. It was one of the probably his, it was his worst QBR game in a while. Mm-hmm. But overall, this season, yeah, I, I think the the Lions at a minimum don't feel like there's a gun to their head that they've got to go out and get a quarterback this offseason with with that Rams pick. They at least feel like, hey, we we can take the best available player, and I think eventually they're gonna have to find a quarterback of the future. But right now, if you're talking about just for next season. You're already paying Jared Goff. You probably feel pretty good with Jared Goff going into next year. Absolutely. Uh, Texans beat the Titans 19-14. Still have the inside track at the number one overall seed, but the Texans fighting. They're fighting till the very end. Number one overall pick, not the number one overall seed. Oh, yeah, excuse me. Number one overall pick. Yes, 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 yes. They will not be uh, seeded at the end of the season. (laughs) They will have the number one overall pick. But um, for the Titans, you know, Derrick Henry did his thing. 126 yards and a touchdown. And I thought after he scored that touchdown on their opening drive, I thought this was going to be a Titans blowout win, and they were just going to run Derrick Henry just like they've done. Look, the guy averaged over 200 yards per game the last four times he faced the Houston Texans, including a game earlier this season. But here's this- what here's what we saw, AJ. Malik Willis is not ready to play in the NFL. I agree with that. Uh, I, here's what I think we've we've seen with Tennessee. Much like Tampa, they're just not very good. And Tennessee, well, the, the, they're, they're, the injuries have caught up. The injuries on defense and the injuries on their offensive line, they've caught up. But Tennessee and Tampa are both the teams that we see in the playoffs every year. They've got the brand name, and we think, man, oh, Tennessee, particularly because they're so well coached, you think, no, they, they can't be as bad as they look. This game fully establishes this, they're just not very good. Like, even if you have good coaching, you can't lose games at home like this. To the Texans, the, the coldest game in your stadium's history, you can't lose it to a bowl or to a to a, a dome team. It's just uh, it's it's an ugly loss. And like you said, this was the kind of game that they don't screw up. Like when you're when you have that kind of a lead, when you jump out to a lead against a bad offense, you should be able to just keep keep the ball rolling downhill. Mm-hmm. And the Titans just couldn't do it. They, they, it looked if you'd said they're going to score in the first ten minutes. It's going to be seven and nothing. I said, oh, they're going to roll on them because they're just going to keep they're yep. going to keep doing that all game and the Texans can't score. Uh, but th- this is an embarrassing loss. Uh, I mean, kudos to the Texans who have been fighting. And we've we've been saying it all year. Look, they, like all year, but like at least the last month or two, they're playing teams that are better than them and they're still going out and they're fighting their asses off. You've got to give them some credit. Good for them for getting a win. But this is just an embarrassment for the Titans. So all the Titans have to do is beat the Jaguars the final game of the season. That's it. That's it. So it doesn't matter what they do this week against the Cowboys. But given the way those two teams are playing right now, the, tr- oh, the way that they're are you training, kidding me? Yeah. 
I mean, it, it feels like the Jags are going to smash this Titans team. So, and it's in Jacksonville. Like, I, yeah, I, I feel like the, the Jags are just a much better team right now. And clearly, oh, yeah. I mean, a massive edge at quarterback. Yeah, clearly, clearly. Um, it's it's not even close right now. But I'm just saying, as far as, you know, the, the doomsday scenario, it's not there for the Titans. They still have everything in front of them. So at least they can, you know, think about that moving forward. Uh, the 49ers have a lot going for them. They beat the Commanders 37-20, another win, another cover, and this team just keeps rolling. Are they the most dangerous team in the NFC? It certainly feels that way to me, and, I, and you don't. It's hard to say that when you know who's playing quarterback for them. But until he starts to cost them games, I'm I'm going to stick with it. This is the best roster, particularly non-quarterback roster in football, and I don't think it's all that close. And sure, do guys like Josh Allen and and Patrick Mahomes cover up a lot of flaws? Absolutely. But this 49ers team doesn't really have flaws. And all Brock, all Brock Purdy has to do is go out there and not screw it up. So far, he hasn't screwed it up. Uh, and in fact, I mean, he made some plays on Saturday that I, I was like, man, that that's like a that's a big time play. That's a, they're letting him cut it loose a little bit. Um, I, I this 49ers team to me is is still the best team in the NFC. Sorry, Eagles. Sorry, Cowboys. Uh, it, it's the 49ers to me are the team to beat because their defense is so good. And they've got all the big playmakers, and all, you you can't cover all these guys. Like they did a they did a pretty good job uh, on Ayuk and 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 company, but George Kittle comes and eats you up. They did a good job kind of shutting down the run. Washington did, but it, it, they got eaten up. There's too many too many uh, holes to plug for a, for an opposing defense, and all Brock Purdy's do got to do is find the right you know the right spot. Yeah, can we talk about the emergence of um, of George Kittle? I mean, this 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 dude is just all of a sudden. Ever since Brock, well, it's about time. <laughs> it's about time. This is, this is a guy who like is is generally regarded as you know one of the best tight ends in the league. And up until a few weeks ago, he hadn't looked like it. He hadn't looked like he he was much of anything. Um, and now suddenly he is just dominating football games again. Yeah, he gives the the Niners even another dimension to an offense that already has a ton of ways to beat you. So. Uh, and, and this for Washington, you know, this is a, a pretty crippling loss. It knocks them to seven, seven and one. They're oh, two and one in their last three for a team that kind of had gotten some momentum rolling. If you remember back to when they'd won six out of seven before they played the Giants, you were thinking, man, this team, this team might be making a move. Now, I'm not so sure. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen with them. You know, they, they're home to the Browns and the Cowboys for the last two weeks. I don't know what the Cowboys will have to play for mm-hmm. at that point, which I, I think is is really interesting. Uh, so th- the Commanders could win out, and if they win out, they're they're a playoff team. But it, it, they need to; they are going to have to fight and claw the rest of the way because they've they've given up any sort of uh, wiggle room that they had a few weeks ago. Cowboys beat the Eagles 40-34. Gardner Minshew, 355 yards and two touchdowns. Had a chance there late in the game, unable to uh, get the Eagles into the end zone there at the end this, of the game. This was a game where turnovers cost the Eagles. The Eagles were the better team. Like yeah. if, if you walked away from that feeling like, and, and there's people who bet on the Cowboys, and if you did, God bless you, you got real lucky. Uh, because the Eagles, and it's not like the Eagles turnovers were the, the interceptions that, that Gardner Minshew threw that are written down as Gardner Minshew interceptions. Those aren't his fault. 
you know, that it's receivers who let balls just get taken out of their hands. Gardner Minshew played about as well as you could play. And Gardner Minshew, you know, you asked if Baker Mayfield is going to be a starting quarterback in the league. I think Gardner Minshew is going to be a starting quarterback in the league next year. Uh, but and and then just a couple untimely fumbles for the for the Eagles, who it felt like they just pissed this game away, a game that they were in full control of, a game that they were clearly the better team. They found a way to blow it. This is a disappointing result for the Eagles, for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, and I look at this Cowboys team and. There's a lot to like about them. There really is. Um, I don't know if they're built for playoff success because I think when the games get tighter, that's when I worry about the Cowboys, if that makes sense. Yeah, and there's a team that, I mean, listen, they were down by a touchdown with six minutes left, and they end up winning the game by by six points. Mm -hmm. um, I still have real questions about their defense. Like, the, the last month, their defense has vanished. Uh, they do they create turnovers? Yes, but turnovers are the one part of your defense that you can't count on week in and week out. You gotta you've gotta count on teams who are gonna make stops and and hold teams you know they hold their yardage down. Uh, and the Cowboys just aren't that right now. So I'm with you. That makes me it makes me kind of hesitant to trust Dallas come playoff time. Uh, but again, this is a team who they've they've set themselves up for some real success here. They're at Tennessee and at the Commanders the last two weeks, two very winnable games and. Like I said earlier, you don't go 13 and four if you're not a good football team. Mm -hmm. So the Cowboys are good. Do they have flaws? Sure. I mean, just, just like the Vikings have flaws, but the Cowboys are good. No doubt about it. The Steelers beat the Raiders 13-10 on Saturday night football. And yes, Mike Tomlin's still never had a losing season. Uh, but the, the, the story to come out of this game was that there was one contestant in Circa Survivor, AJ. <laughs> I saw this. That was literally two minutes away from capturing the $6 million prize. Yeah. And he had taken the Vikings. He was good to go. Everybody else and had lost except for Steelers backers. Yes. they had, there, was, there was four contestants left. One of them, he had already won with the Vikings. And the other three were all on the Steelers. This was a 10-6 Vegas lead until the Steelers scored with 46 seconds left. That's how close this dude came to $6 million. I will say this. is that, Does that hurt? Sure. Especially if he doesn't end up winning. But these Steelers guys were on the right side. This was a statistical domination. The fact that the Steelers... When when they scored that touchdown, or when they when they yeah when they scored that touchdown, had only like had, they'd done nothing on offense in that game up to that point, is miraculous. This team well, they, they were turned wiping, the ball over three times. Yeah, they but they were moving the ball at will all game long, and then finding a way to shoot themselves in the foot. This was the right result. The the better team won here. Do I feel bad for the guy? Sure. But I mean that's the game. You're, you listen. You you if you're in Survivor and you you saw half your uh, half your opposition knocked out this week, you ought to feel good about it. Not 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 be feeling sorry for yourself. Yeah. Excuse me. The Raiders turned it over three times. The Steelers turned it over once with the interception, but they did miss two field goals. So they had uh, three empty possessions there that resulted in turnover and two missed field goals. Yards yeah. per play five point three for Pittsburgh, three point nine. For the Raiders, mm -hmm. just a, a a lopsided game. That if I mean, if had the Steelers lost, I'd have been like, "Oh my God, what are you guys doing?" Uh, that's just not. That's the kind of game that the Raiders have lost all year, though, and the kind of game that the Steelers just typically don't lose. So, uh, for St for Mike Tomlin's record to remain intact, 
boy, you got to go to those pesky Ravens at Baltimore <laughs> next weekend, Sunday night football, and then uh, home to the Browns in week 18 if they're able to beat the Ravens. If they're able to beat the Ravens, they're getting that win against the Browns. They will Or a tie. Or a tie. They, yeah. uh, <laughs> tie against the Ravens and then beat I the would Browns. honestly say a tie against the Ravens is one of the most likely results that, like, that you could have. Yeah. I, it would not shock me a single bit for there to be a tie there. A uh, 9-9 tie or something like that, or 13-13 <laughs> tie. Yeah, the way these offenses uh, yeah. are playing right now, that sounds about right. And then that's it. Then they, he doesn't get a losing season. And, you know, technically, I guess the Steelers are still alive for a playoff spot. They are. If they win their final two games, 538 says they're 17% to make the playoffs. But I guess uh, we'll have to see how the rest of the AFC plays out. Let's preview Monday Night Football, the Colts and the Chargers. Chargers, a four-point favorite with a total of 45 and a half. And, you know, the Chargers, they actually benefited by everything that unfolded here with the AFC playoff picture because before this game's even played, the Chargers saw their playoff odds increase. They're at 92% now to make the playoffs. Yeah, and the Chargers are another one of those teams who all season long people are talking about, oh, they're they're so bad. They're not they're not they're not as good as they're supposed to be. But if they finish if they win this game, they're nine and six. And they're sitting in alone as the five seed or as the uh, yeah, as the five seed in the uh, in the AFC. So oh, I guess they'd be the six seed because the, the whoever loses the the Bengals Ravens would be the the five. But they're firmly in the playoff mix at this point. It's hard to see them not making the playoffs. It would take a complete collapse, which, listen, historic, historically the Chargers have been uh, capable of those extreme collapses. But I think this team is playing their best football right now. Four points doesn't feel great to me uh, on the road, but I don't, I don't want to back the Colts right now who have basically flipped it again. They're going to Nick Foles. Feels like they, they don't feel – confident in what they've got going at quarterback I, I don't know what the right side is in this game I don't I don't have a great feel for it either way what do you see uh, I think the only way I can look at it is to look at the Chargers but I kind of think that maybe the over could be a play in, in this game I think the Chargers will be able to score and I think that you know if um Nick, you know, Nick Foles should be able to do something with this offense and I can see the Colts scoring points here at home you know Obviously, it's an indoor game. Weather's not going to be a factor. So it's Nick Foles. It's the, the Colts being able to have some sort of fight in them. And I think the Chargers absolutely put up points. So I, I think the over is the way to look. Here's what's happened with the Colts, though. I mean, this team has quietly lost seven of their last eight games. Like it's it's Things are bad uh, right now with the Colts. And it, the Vikings result last week was close. But remember the week before that, they lost by five touchdowns to Dallas. Like, I don't know how much longer this – we talked about the Broncos and how much longer are they going to keep fighting. Well, the Colts are sitting at 4-9-1. and one. They probably don't think the coach that they have right now is going to be their coach next year, probably correctly. Uh, it, this doesn't feel like a spot where I think the Colts are going to be like, we got to do everything we can to get out there and, and try and finish this season at seven, nine and one. Nobody says that like, the motivation angle to me clearly points to the chargers. I uh, absolutely. Um, I don't think there's a Dumbo teaser to make here in this spot. Cause I, I know, you know, there's no, there's no Dumbo teaser. I don't, I don't, I don't feel confident teasing the Colts up. I certainly don't feel confident teasing I mean, if anything, you can tease the total down, but no, there's no Dumbo. There's no Dumbo teaser. Yeah, I don't. I mean, the Dumbo teaser would be to to do the the Colts and I think the over, 
and make it 10 and and you know you got to all you got to do is have 40 points scored in the game but i the 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 chargers to me if their offense clicks can blow you out uh and that's the I thing. Also, i'm not comfortable i'm not comfortable with 10 10 and a half this is a very very high variance uh game in my opinion so yeah no teaser for me on this one yeah no teaser either there's one bowl game coming up this afternoon. It is Bowling Green, New Mexico State in the Quick Lane Bowl at Ford Field in Detroit. Bowling Green, a three-point favorite, total 48 and a half. And this is one of the games that AJ and I broke down earlier last week on the college football dream preview. Woof. If there is a poster child for there are too many bowl games, a bowl game that involves Bowling Green and New Mexico State so who got to six and six with yeah. two wins over FCS teams yeah. and a waiver. But here's the thing for, for Bowling Green. This is like their Mac championship, right? Because it's at Ford Field. This is. is their opportunity to play in the stadium that, hey, when you start your season as a Mac team, your goal is at the end of the year to play at Ford Field, right? Yeah. You want to play in that Mac championship game. Now they have their opportunity. They do. And I listen, I think New Mexico State is motivated. You don't apply for a waiver and play an extra game if you're not motivated to make it to a bowl game. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't I, I'm not questioning that they'll be motivated. I just question if they're any good. And is uh, Diego Pavia playing? I don't know. I would guess so. I think everybody's playing for okay. New Mexico State. I've, I've got actually I've got a list of all the current opt outs so far. So well, it says he's questionable. So I don't know. But uh, maybe I guess he's expected to play. But if, if he if he plays, I think the offense will be fine. Obviously, if he doesn't play, the offense is going to be different. Um, New Mexico State. They're calling it a minor injury. Okay, so he should play. But there are some opt-out trackers that have him listed out. Uh, They say he's on pace to play to start in the game. Jerry Kill and Pavia himself have said he's on pace to start the game. Okay. On December 14th, which was six days ago, Pavia told reporters he was 90% healthy. All right. Well, all right. So if he plays. And Gavin, Gavin Frank started five games this year. Yeah. Uh, but it's still a different offense, for sure. Yeah. So this is this is amazing about New Mexico. By the State. way, you know who's you know who's in the transfer portal for New Mexico State? One player. Guess who it is? Who? The busiest guy on their team, the punter. Yeah. <laughs> um, New Mexico State. He transferred to Arizona State. By the way, he's apparently a pretty good punter. 41, 41 yards per kick. Not so, bad. So this might be simple, right? But when they score more than fourteen points, so more than two touchdowns. They're undefeated this year. It's like your Carolina Panthers. Uh, hand yeah, hand. they're undefeated. They're 6-0. Okay. When they don't, they're 0-6. Well, Christmas Day has become synonymous with the NBA. And yes, yesterday we did have uh, some NFL football games. But for the most part, AJ, I think you would agree. As each sport kind of takes over a holiday, the NFL has Thanksgiving, college football has New Year's Day, even though this year it's going to be an NFL day on New Year's Day. But you understand that, right? The NBA has owned Christmas. Would you agree? Yeah, sure. And I'm sure they hate it. The NBA hates when the Christmas is on a Sunday because yes. then they lose their shine. Yes. But, like, I, I, I'm, I'm not alone in this. A lot of people have said that Christmas is like the unofficial official start of the NBA season. Anything that happens but certainly before, when people start paying attention. Absolutely. To the NBA. Absolutely. And the day got started yesterday with the Knicks, you know, playing the usual early Christmas day. I've talked about it last week. I, I used to work a lot of those early Christmas day games uh, at the Madison Square Garden, and they would all go under. 
not this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was an over from the minute these two teams tipped off. Sixers beat the Knicks 119-112. James Harden 29-13-4. And before the game, a report came out that I think it was a Woj bomb that said Harden is considering going back to Houston in free agency. I don't buy this for one second, AJ. You're you're closer to the situation, having been in Houston all those years. Do you think there's any legitimacy to this? I don't know. I will say it's just bad timing. Why would you say that when you're in the middle of a season right now with a, a team that's you know having some success? You know, this. I mean, the Sixers aren't they're not running away with anything, but they're having a perfectly fine season. Why would you throw that out there? What what good does that do anyone? in your current situation and say, yeah, at the end of this year, I might take off. I'd, I'd love to go back to Houston. I can see some positive things about a potential return to Houston. Um, I, I, Not that I think that uh, James Harden is the same player he was when he was there before. I think it, it'd be a totally different situation. But having a facilitator with that young crew for for Jalen and Jabari would probably be a, a nice a nice boost for the Rockets. Do I think James Harden would make the Rockets a better team than these current Sixers? No. <laughs> I, and I've said forever and ever and ever, and I still I will hold this until it happens. James Harden will not win a championship if he is the best player on a team. I agree. And that the best chance they have, the best chance he has to win a title is to hitch his wagon to a Joel Embiid and and hope for the best. I think that I don't know. Maybe it's James Harden giving himself outs. I, I don't know. I hate this, though. I hate it when conversations like this happen. It seems like it seems like that's all the NBA is, is talking about what, what, what could happen next year. What could happen next year? You know, it's like all teams do is uh, who's a free agent next year? Who are we going to bring in? Who are we going to bring in? Who are we going to sign? Who are we going to draft? Like, there's only like five or six teams that actually care about this current <laughs> season. And then everybody else is just talking about what's happening in the offseason. Just it's like that every single year. Like legitimately, there's only like six teams that can win the championship, and, yeah. then, and then everybody else is thinking about the future. Yeah, and the weird thing about it is, you know, you're you're sitting at, at twenty and twelve. You've won eight games in a row now. Eight games in a row, you've won. Why do this right now? Like, what's the logic behind that? I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm 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 not I'm not with it. Uh, elsewhere, yesterday, the Mavericks dominate the Lakers, one twenty four, one fifteen. LeBron James. Um, you know, basically after the game is like, it's very hard to play without Anthony Davis. I don't <laughs> want to play without AD. Well, listen, when, again, when you uh, when you attach your career to a guy who's hurt all the time, you're going to have to deal with that. Sorry, LeBron. Yeah. Is it harder to play without AD? I bet when you and AD are the only uh, the only things going well at all ever for the for the Lakers. Yeah, I'd imagine it is more difficult, but that's why when people talk about you as one of the greatest ever, this is where you've got to step up and be one of the greatest ever. And uh, 38 points, but on 13 to 23 shooting and they beat or they they fall to a Mavericks team that, you know, you talk about a team that doesn't have a second option. How do you think Luca feels? You look look around the rest of his roster and say, I mean, I'm sure Luca would love to have a guy like Anthony Davis helping him out. So I I don't think anybody's going to cry any tears. For LeBron James. I'm certainly not. Uh, Jason Tatum scores 41 points. Celtics beat the Bucs. And how about the Warriors 
beating the Grizzlies, and this is a Warriors team that is certainly has not been good without Steph Curry, but man, what a game from Jordan Poole. Yeah, this is the game that everybody's been saying Jordan Poole needed to have. You know, everybody's been saying, well, when is Jordan Poole going to start pulling his, what's he going to turn into this guy that everybody thought he was going to be? This might have been a turning point moment for him because uh, obviously no Steph Curry right now, and Clay Thompson was incredibly inefficient. 8 of 25 from the field, 3 of 12 from 3, uh, although he was plus 14 on the night. But Jordan Poole just went out there and and took over this game offensively, scores 32 points, and it had some turnover issues, but got the Warriors a win that I don't think anybody saw them getting in this. This is certainly the surprise result of Christmas Day basketball was the Warriors not just not just winning this game, but blowing out the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I think, you know, you looked at how the whole, the whole day was going to play out. You know, you have Warriors as a seven-point dog, and the fact that they win and as convincingly as they won, certainly one of the uh, surprising outcomes of the NBA slate on Christmas Day. We have um, some more games coming up here on Christmas Day observed or boxing day if you will uh at your cavaliers aj hosting my cavaliers my guys your guys hosting the brooklyn nets and the Cavs are two-point favorites uh would you bet on your Cavs against the nets tonight well i've bet on one nba game this entire season and i lost it so um (laughs) i'm gonna i'll 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 pass i'll uh I'll, i'll probably i'd rather bet the uh the Bowling Green New Mexico State game. I feel like I've got a better shot throwing a dart there uh, than I would betting on these cats. But the Nets have won eight games in a row. It, I mean, it certainly feels like uh, like taking plus two with the Nets would be a trap. So it, it would be Cavs or nothing for me. It'll be nothing, but it would be Cavs <laughs> or nothing. It, it it'll be nothing for me either. And uh, yeah. no no NHL games tonight as they continue their Christmas break. The NHL will return uh, tomorrow night. All right. Um. There's no promo code. So what should I should I just should I just mention? Yeah. Pre-game? Just close it out. I'll yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell out. people go to pregame.com. Check yeah. us out. All right. Uh. Three, two, and one. That'll do it for the Boxing Day edition of Straight Out of Vegas AM. Go to pregame.com. Check out all the great stuff available for you there, including bulk dollars, which are a great way to save some money, buy some. It's basically currency that you spend at pregame.com. And there's discounts all the time. So you can buy bulk dollars. They never expire. You can use it to pick up a best bet package from any one or number of your favorite pregame pros at pregame.com. For AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas AM. <laughs>